All right. Well, um, this morning looks a little bit different. Uh, it's going to be similar to last week, kind of a family family meeting. You know, pretend like we're in a living room and there's a cozy fire and not that you're in a school cafeteria that's been <laughs> transformed into a sanctuary this morning. Um, we're taking the month of January and doing something a little bit different. We're, we're sharing our heart as a church, who we are, what we believe. Um, and so this is part two of that. Generally, I do encourage and recommend, you know, you can go back if you miss or you want to re-listen to messages that we've preached. You can do that on our website. You can also print off copies of the notes. Um, I do strongly recommend uh, this month that you hear all four of the Sundays and what we're sharing. Um, it's just, it'll give you a really good sense of who we are, just core foundational things. Um, and so if you missed last week, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that, read through the notes, and really get a sense of, of who we are and where we stand as a church. Um, so that's, that's where we're heading. I'm going to pray one more time, and then we're going to get into this. The only other thing I, I briefly want to say before I do that, and I felt this last week, and I imagine it'll happen again this week. I, I'm giving an overview of some things, and so we're moving relatively quickly. I'm not doing deep teaching on on. A specific topic this morning, we're covering some ground. And so I, I would also just encourage you, if we go too quickly through some of this and you have questions or want clarity on where we stand on something, I want to make myself available after church. Come talk with me. Um, you could also give us, give us a call or shoot us an email during the week. And I, I'd love to talk more in depth. Some of these things we've taught more in depth at times here and we will in the future. But this is just kind of an overview is where we're going. So, all right, with all that said, let me pray and then, and then we'll get started this morning. Um, Jesus, we thank you that we are gathered in this place and that you're with us. God, I, I know that um, you already are here and you're active and you're doing stuff. God, thank you that we've been able to be in your presence and worship. And Lord, I'm grateful. Would you continue to remind me, you know, we didn't end that time and now we're doing something different. God, you were just present through this whole morning. And we have an opportunity to engage with you. We have an opportunity to hear from you. Um, Lord, very specifically this morning, we're talking about who we are and what we believe. And God, I just pray for the, the folks that are calling Grace Chapel home or people that are curious and considering making this home. God, that we would communicate clearly who we are. And God, that you would knit your body together. Lord, we also believe uh, we're not a perfect church. I am by no means a perfect pastor. This is not a perfect group of people. Jesus, you're the perfect one here. Um, and we just thank you that we're your family. And uh, we know that we're a part of a larger community of believers in Knoxville. And so, God, we pray for your continued blessing over this city, yes. over all of the various churches in this city and the, the united body of Christ here. God, I pray as we talk about being a relational church and growing in our relationship with one another, that your church in Knoxville would be relational, would be united, would reach out and connect with one another. God, that we could celebrate our differences that are minor and emphasize the things we have in common, our common Savior, Jesus Christ, the life that he brings, and God, what you want to do to rescue and redeem the people of this city. And so thank you that we get to be a part of that. Um, God, would you just come and be our guide and teacher this morning? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 
All right. Well, uh, just by way of a really brief recap, I do want to give you a little bit of a sense of what we covered last week in case you missed it. Um, first of all, we said that our starting point for this series is, is this simple idea. God calls us a family. He calls us a family. When we are invited into his kingdom and we have a relationship with Jesus, like it or not, you've got a whole bunch of new family members. You've got a bunch of new brothers and sisters. We're stuck with each other. Um, but we were intended to be a family. And so I believe it's vitally important for followers of Jesus to be in a church home. Um, I would love for that to be here. If this is where God's calling you, that would be great. Um, but be somewhere, be plugged in somewhere. And so part of my hope in this series is that you'll have a good sense of who we are and what this church body is about. And that if God's calling you here, you, you decide to, to be connected to this family. But at the very least, if you don't connect here, that you'll realize how vitally important it is for you to connect somewhere. And if God's got another church home for you here in Knoxville, that you would find it and plug in. So that's kind of our goal. Um, so last week we covered um, some essential doctrines. Our heart towards our beliefs are simply this. In the essential beliefs, in the core beliefs, we should have unity. There are certain things that all, all denominations should have in common if they are going to be genuinely considered to be biblical, historically Christian. There are just some foundational things that we all need to agree on. And so in those things, we need to have unity. And so we, we're going to make clear what those are. Um, beyond that, there should be room for liberty. In the non-essential things, there should be room for liberty. We should be able to celebrate even some differences. And so there are differences stylistically in how churches gather and worship. And as long as they're not contradicting Scripture, um, we can celebrate those differences and have some liberty. And then finally, in all of our, our beliefs, we should have love. And so that is our approach. So what, what we kind of consider to be the five essential doctrines, core things that all churches should have in common, um, number one is the doctrine of the Trinity, um, that there is one God and that he uh, is in three persons. And I mean, we could spend all morning trying to explain that and still walk out of here not fully grasping it. I think it's part of the beauty of who God is. He is above and beyond what I can think or imagine. Um, and so God has revealed himself through the scripture to absolutely be one God in essence and nature. And yet he reveals himself in, in three different personalities as the Father, as the Son, Jesus Christ, and as the Holy Spirit. And they are co-equal, co-eternal. They created together. They work together. Um, and they, they exist eternally. Now, now, we are now eternal beings that will live forever, but we had a starting point. God did not. He is pre-existing and he will live forever. That's who our God is. So, so the Trinity. Now, within the Trinity, I just want to emphasize this point. We kind of consider it point number two. But within the Trinity, um, we want to make it really clear that we believe that Jesus is God. He is God. He was fully God and fully man. He wasn't halfway God and halfway man. Fully God and fully man. We believe that. We believe he is the unique son of God. We, are, we, we become children of God. We're called sons and daughters, but this is different than Jesus. He stands unique. He is God in all of his essence. And so we don't diminish that. We don't put him on an equal level with anyone else. We just sang it. He's above all things. And so we believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. Uh, number three, we believe in the vicarious atonement. 
Now, I'm not going to require you to know, what, to know those words, to spell those words, um, to be a part of this church. Very simply, it means that he died in our place. He took our spot on the cross. And so we are all sinners who needed salvation, and Jesus was the only one who could pay for that. And so he went to the cross on our behalf, died in our place, and our sins are now covered and paid for if we will receive him as our Savior and Lord. So that's the atoning work of Jesus. It's finished. I don't have to earn or work for salvation. It's a free gift from God. Number four, we believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's important for a lot of reasons. I'm not going to explain them all. But one of the most important is that I am now guaranteed of an eternal life myself. Because Jesus was risen from the grave, I, I now can hold on to the promise that I get to live eternally with him forever in heaven. That's really good news. It's also really good news to not just be following some religious teachings of a good man who died. There have been a lot of good men and women who've died and said great things. We are following a living God. He's alive and we can know him. And so we believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus. And then finally, number five, we believe in the doctrine of salvation by grace through faith. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. In fact, even our faith is a gift from God. And so we do freely choose to receive the gift of God's new life in Jesus and receive his grace. So those are kind of the five core things that we believe. There's a brief little recap. There was lots of scripture in the notes last week to help you understand where all that comes from. We also talked about the importance of the sacraments. We regularly participate in communion as a church body. We talked about that, the significance and importance of it, that it's a reminder of the work of the cross. It's revealing in its power in the moment to remember and see Jesus present with me right now. It's also meant to be a moment of honesty where I reflect in my heart, God, is there any unresolved sin that I need to deal with, that I can confess and deal with? So it's a good reminder to be very present with Jesus. And then it also is very future in its nature because we're looking forward to the day when we're with him in his kingdom in heaven. And uh, there's the marriage supper of the lamb. And it's a glimpse of this incredible celebratory meal we're going to have with Jesus. Um, and then we also practice water baptism. There's some things we believe about water baptism. We believe you should do it as a matter of obedience. Jesus did it and he calls us to do it. We believe it's a matter of testimony. It's a way to declare to people that you're, that you're saved. And so you're identifying yourself as a follower of Jesus. So we believe it's about obedience and declaration. It does not save you. We do not believe that baptism is an issue of salvation. You are saved by making a decision in your heart to follow Jesus. Water baptism is an outward picture to the world of the inward decision that you have made. All right, and there's more detail last week about that. So we talked about communion and water baptism. And then finally, and I hope this is something you hear all the time from this pulpit, is we believe in God's word. And we're going to lean on this. When there's a need for direction, um, when we're struggling with making a decision, when we're wondering where we stand on an issue, our answer is going to be, well, what does the Bible say? We believe this is God's word and that it has everything that we need that pertains to how we live this life. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 says that the whole Bible 
was given by inspiration from God, and it is useful to teach us what is true, make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out, and it helps us do what is right. Um, I love that. It's just kind of a newer translation of that. And um, I believe that. And I want to live my life in such a way when what I think contradicts what Scripture thinks, I will decide that I'm the one that's wrong and the Bible is right. And we could use a whole lot more of that um, in our day and age where we reference and honor God and what he says over our opinions. And so we believe in God's word. So there's, there's what we covered last week. Wow, I just like preached last week's message in like five minutes there. Okay, y'all ready this morning? All right, so that's, that's what we believe. This morning we're going to talk about who we are, and it's rooted in what we believe, who we are. And so I, I want to encourage you, if you've been on our website, this might look really familiar to you. We, we share some of this on our website. But our, our mission statement as a church is that we are about equipping people to be passionate disciples of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say that again. We are about equipping people to be passionate disciples of Jesus Christ. That is our mission. That's why we exist. There are five kind of key um, phrases or words in that sentence. And so I just want to highlight these briefly. Um, first of all, Jesus' name is there because it's all about him. Yeah. It's all about Jesus. And so we want to be about him. He is our living savior. We do not gather on Sunday mornings. We don't gather outside of Sunday mornings because it's the religious thing to do. We don't do it to, to check off a box and go, hey, I went to church this week. I'm good with God. We were designed and created to be in relationship with Jesus. And so we gather and we, we teach about him. We sing about him. But it's not just about him. He's not someone distant that we are singing about He's not someone distant that we are learning about. We are engaging in a real living relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, if you're like me, we've all got ups and downs in that relationship. And there's times where I feel like I'm stumbling along and I'm distant. But the truth is God designed me to know him and to walk with him. And so we were made to be in a living relationship with Jesus. And that's what we are about. We're about knowing him and then growing in him through his word through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to change and transform us and teach us things. And by engaging in relationship with one another, we gather to encourage each other in our relationship with God. And so it's about Jesus. He is the, the hinge point, the anchor of why we gather. Um, secondly, we're about people. We said we're equipping people. We're about people. Um, we want people from all walks of life to come. There may be some very specific things that define us as a church, if you are a member of this church family, but anybody can walk in these doors and come sit in this room and be welcomed and loved here. Jesus reached out to sinners who needed him. He reached out to saints who needed him, often when they didn't realize it. He called the Pharisees out quite a bit. And, and he also reached out to skeptics, people that were kind of on the fence and wrestling and unsure. All of those groups of people should be able to come. Sinners should be able to come and gather and hear about the love of God. Saints who are struggling with self-righteousness and earning it and battling on their own need to come and hear about the love of God that's inviting them into a real, living, vibrant relationship based on God's grace. 
people who are struggling with what they think, what they believe. We need a place where we can gather and wrestle with those things. Listen, if people who have questions and doubts can't come here to get answers, can't come here to wrestle through those questions, where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? And so we need to be a place that welcomes all. Now, in a very practical way, I just I want to say this, and maybe this will come up throughout a couple times, but I want to say this really clearly. Um, it's been exciting to me to meet the new people that we've been meeting here in Knoxville. Um, we're coming up on our two-year anniversary. Uh, the first Sunday in March will be our two-year anniversary of this church being in existence. Several of us moved here from Nashville to Knoxville a couple of years ago. It's been thrilling meeting all of you and growing in relationship with you. And, you know, when you, when you come into a church and you want to be a part of a family, um, it's exciting to feel like you can connect with people and be known and be loved. The, the thing I want to encourage all of us in is the thing that we find when we find a place and a home and relationship, other people want to find that too. And we've got to be careful not to become so excited about the relationships I've currently got that we get a little insulated and other people show up and go, man, I'd love to be a part of that, but like, there's no way in. Is this making sense? We got to be careful of that. I I believe, you know, yes, there is such a thing as actual intentional clicks and drama, but I actually believe that most clicks are really unintentional. It's just, these are my friends and I love them and I want to hang out with them. And before you know it, you don't realize you've created something exclusive that people cannot get into. And so we've got to be very intentional to be open and welcoming to invite others in to the same thing we've experienced. Is this making sense? And so I want to encourage us to think outwardly and, and to welcome and invite people. And don't trust, you know, the pastor to do that. Or here's those people that have been here for two years. They're the ones. Man, love on and welcome people who come in. Um, so we're about Jesus. We're about people. Um, the word passionate is in there. Passionate disciples. Um, we believe that we were created for passionate worship of God. And that goes so far beyond what we sing. You know, singing is a declaration. We're declaring things that we believe. We're reminding our hearts of something that we believe. Um, it's, it's a version of worship, but worship is the way we live our lives. So I was trying to, I was trying to think about this this week. What was a good way to communicate this? And um, I, re- I realized this has sort of been a controversial topic, and I'm not going that route with it. But our anthem, our national anthem, right, as a country, we have this anthem that we sing. Well, we sing it to declare something that we experience all the time. I, I walk around and experience the benefits of living in a country where I am free. I'm free to speak. I'm free to worship. I'm free to do all kinds of things. And the anthem that we sing is just sort of a reminder or a declaration of the life I get to enjoy. That's what singing on a Sunday morning or in your car by yourself to a worship song on your iPod, that's what it's about. I am, I'm connecting with and declaring this glorious life that Jesus has for me that he intends for me to live in and enjoy all the time. And so my life is a life of worship and our singing is a reflection of that. So we want to be about that. So when we gather, we're going to give place for singing in worship, for declaring the good news of who Jesus is and declaring our devotion to him. We're going to do that. But it's a reflection of of something, hopefully, that we are living all week long. And so we're going to emphasize um, 
there's no audience. I, I am, I'm grateful for our worship team. I'm grateful for Crystal and Alex and not only what they do that we see on Sunday mornings, but all that goes into it behind the scenes to prepare. I'm grateful for their hearts. And they're good at what they do. They're good at what they do. Caleb is great at what he does playing keys this morning. Jared's great at what he does playing djembe. djembe. I almost said cajon. I knew that wasn't right. There's a reason I'm not up on the stage leading worship. All right, I'm grateful for them. They're, they're talented. They're good at what they do. We don't gather to just listen to talented musicians and observe. We're not an audience. We participate together in worship. We participate together, and so we engage in worship. And sometimes that's loud and boisterous and hands are raised. Other times it's quiet and reflective. But in general, worship is declaring what's happening internally. Imagine if I walk around my whole life radically in love with my wife and I never express that to her. How heartbreaking would that be? She needs to hear it. She needs to know, babe, I love you. And here's what I love about you. Let me be specific and tangible. And I need to hear from her that she loves me. And that's what worship is. It's hearing God declaring his love towards us and us responding back, we love you too. That's worship. And so we're going to gather to do that. All right, number, number four, equipping. Um, we are going to try to do our part as church leadership to give you the tools that you need to grow in your relationship with Jesus. We're going to preach God's word on Sunday morning. We're going to gather outside of Sunday mornings um, to better understand God's word, to talk about how it applies to each other's lives, to pray for each other, to encourage each other along the way. Um, we need each other's perspective. We need that. You know, I don't know if you realize this or not, but we all have blind spots that we can't see in our lives. And our family and our friends can see them. And if we're walking in healthy, loving relationship with one another, we can share even some of those hard things with each other for our benefit, for our benefit so we can grow. So we wanna, we wanna be equipped with what we need to walk in a relationship with Jesus. And so we're gonna declare truth but we also have to decide to receive it and walk in it. And that goes for the preacher just as much as anybody listening. I can get up here all day long and prepare a really good message and communicate it clearly. And if I leave out of this place and it isn't real in my life, I'm, I'm in trouble. It's wasted. We, we need to let God's word encounter us in a way that transforms our lives where we're yielding ourselves to him. And so we're, we want to be about equipping. Um, we... Our goal, our goal is that church is as simple as it can be. Not simpler than it needs to be, but as simple as it can be. We are here as an organization to touch people. We don't want to get so busy creating all these things that have to happen that things get out of order and the people serve the church. People serve the programs, right? The things we're going to do we're going to do because they minister and equip people. We want to keep things in the right order. We're about Jesus. We're about people. And then the equipping things that we do are to bless and help people. We don't ever want to get that reversed where everybody here is just a cog in a wheel fulfilling something and just maintaining a big machine. 
Do you, do you understand that? Does that make sense? We have to be intentional to do that. I mean, you can intentionally create something where you just need people to plug in and make the thing run, but you can also unintentionally do that. And so we want to be intentional about being as simple as we can possibly be, engaging in real relationships with each other so real people can be equipped with what we need to live the life God's called us to live. That's what we want to be about. And so finally, these go kind of hand in hand with each other, um, but our, our fifth point is that we want to be about discipleship. And so really simply, to me, discipleship is like all these other four pieces put together. We believe Jesus is real and alive and wants a relationship. We believe people are vastly important and that life is all about relationship. We believe that we were made to worship God and that we need to be equipped to learn how to walk that out. And so discipleship is where we live in real life relationships with each other and we get to know Jesus together and we grow together through relationship. If discipleship is just a gathering of people and it's not about Jesus and it's not about God's word, we can have some fun. We can have a nice little community time, group therapy, but it's not going to produce anything. If we gather and just share information, though, and we don't engage relationally and talk about how it applies to our life, we can gain a whole lot of head knowledge and it doesn't change us. And so the power is in the two things coming together, being rooted and grounded in God's word and participating in that through real relationship where we get to know each other more and more. And, and that's, we believe that's where transformation can happen. You know, Jesus talked to big crowds, absolutely. But his primary ministry was to these small groups of people. He spent his life with 12 guys. And then beyond that, you know, there were upwards of maybe 120 people that were pretty in and committed. And when Jesus, you know, died, rose again, and ascended to the Father... He didn't have this gathering of fifteen or 20,000 people from all the times where they all got fed a bunch. That's not where the church started. It started with that, that small group of people that he'd invested in and built relationship in. That was his plan to change the world. He changed the world through those interpersonal relationships that had real relationship with God, and then it took off. It spread like wildfire. Because we were made for this. We were made for a relationship with Jesus and for each other. So that's, that's a little bit about our heart. So how does this play out? Um, I want to talk about our nature. Um, first of all, um, we are not going to determine how to structure our church based on what is culturally relevant at the time. We're not going to base our structure of the church on what seems like sound business principles. And, and we're not even going to base our church on denominational traditions. We are going to base the structure of our church on what God's word says. And so God's word describes our nature as a church. And so I want to share four thoughts with you about how we were designed to be connected with each other. First of all, the church is called a fellowship, a fellowship. That means we were in right relationship with each other. And so we're going to emphasize fellowship. We're going to emphasize growing in relationship. Um, the early church, we're very familiar with this. And just a snippet of this in Acts 2.42 talks about how they, they continued learning together regularly under the apostles' teaching, joining the fellowship. They were engaged in life-giving relationship with each other. And then in Romans 14.19, I want to put, I think we've got this up on the screen 
Paul writes and he says, so let us concentrate on the things that make for harmony and growth of our fellowship together. We're meant to experience unity in our relationships. And so um, we're going to encourage fellowship and we're going to encourage walking in unity together. And so if there are issues, there are problems, we're not going to run from them. Uh, we're not going to let them fester. We're going we're to walk with Jesus, walking out the basic gospel message. Repent, confess, forgive. The Bible calls us ministers of reconciliation. If you hang around here or really anywhere long enough, you will both form some friendships that are great and you will experience the inevitable problems that come from a relationship. You stay here long enough and I'm going to hurt your feelings. I'm going to offend you. I'm going to say something wrong. Guess what? I'm going to blow it. I'm going to blow it. My hope going in is that, number one, I'll have some humility and acknowledge that and repent of it. And number two, that you'll forgive me. And I want to do likewise with you. And, and so we're not going to find a perfect place to be with perfect people. If you find that place, um, you're going to ruin it. <laughs> but also you should probably run and be really scared because there's no perfect place. All right. So we're made for fellowship and we're going to emphasize walking in unity and learning to forgive and one another, love one another and have grace. Secondly, we've already said this, but I, I want it to, to be here because it's a part of this. The church is a family. We're a family. And so we're going to fellowship. We're a family. We're, we're meant to have that basic relationship as a family. Um, Peter talks about this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. I love this translation. This is from the Living Bible. He says, you should be like one big happy family, full of sympathy towards each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. The, the big happy family part doesn't happen without tender hearts and humble minds. Hearts that are protecting and guarding themselves, a lack of humility and pride, thinking I'm, I've kind of got it figured out and you don't, that does not create a harmonious, happy family. But tender hearts and humility, we can work out issues and problems and we can experience joy in relationship. And so we're a fellowship, we're a family. The scripture also calls us a body. There's a lot of verses on this. I just want to read one of them to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. It's a part of it. Again, we're not a business. We're not an organization. We are a living, breathing organism. We're a body. And what affects one part affects the whole. You know, I love the beauty of some of the different pictures that scripture gives. Family is a great picture. But at times I can be at odds and frustrated with my family. The body is also an important picture because nobody like hates their own body. Like when my thumb gets jammed, my reaction isn't, well, I'm sick of this thumb that keeps getting jammed. Let me cut it off. <laughs> my reaction is, wow, that really hurts and I want to protect it and I want it to get healed as quickly as possible. And so the rest of the focus of my body and attention is on this injured part and helping it get healed and whole. Well, if we looked at each other that way, that what's affecting Derek is affecting me. And so I need to see to that and tend to that. When we realize our sense of connectedness, we take care of each other. You're not some small insignificant part that doesn't matter. You're vital. You're vital. I have no idea why my pinky toe exists. I mean, maybe somebody could tell me the significance of how it balances me on my foot, but it, it seems like it's fairly insignificant. I'm just picking some random part of the body that seems insignificant. <laughs> I guarantee you when it gets hurt or if it's not functioning properly, I will notice there are no insignificant parts in the body. 
We're significant. We matter and we fit together. So we're one body, many members. And then finally, um, the church is referred to as, as a flock. Jesus called himself the good shepherd. We're the sheep. Um, we'll, we'll talk in a minute about the fact that there are shepherds in our midst. But I just first have to say, I'm with you. I'm a sheep. I need to be led. I need to be helped. I need physical shepherds in my life shepherding me. And I need the ultimate good shepherd shepherding me. And so we believe the church is a flock and needs shepherds. And so in John chapter 10, Jesus was describing himself in verses 11 and 14. He said, I'm the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. That's what good shepherding does. It's not a power grabbing. I get to be in charge and tell you what to do. A good shepherd protects, cares for, has humility, has a servant's heart. That's God's heart. So the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Again, he says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and I am known by my sheep. Again, we're made to be in relationship with Jesus. Well, God's design for leadership in church was that we would have that mentality, that we would be shepherds. And so 1 Peter 5 verses 1 and 2 talks about this a little bit. Peter writes and he says, to the elders I say, be what? Shepherds, shepherds of God's flock. Being in charge as overseers? Being served as overseers? No, serving. People in leadership in the church should be the biggest servants of all. It's going to be one of the primary things we look for in future leaders in our church is not, are they a good leader, a great communicator, super qualified? Will they humble themselves like Jesus and serve? Will we be the least? we be the least. So we're called to serve. Um, so that's, that's, that's our structure. We believe we're a fellowship, a family, a body, and, and any of our leadership is structured to look like this, like Jesus. We are shepherds caring for, serving the flock. And so how does this play out in a really practical way? Okay, let me get practical with you for a minute. The way our structure works as a church is simply this. Um, well, let me read this verse first. I'm going to skip the John verse. Okay, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. God gave some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up. So, so here's how we do this. Here's our structure. We have some staff. Right now, our full-time staff is myself and Alex Hawkins, who is up here leading worship with his wife, Crystal. And I mean, really, in a lot of ways, the two of them should be considered full-time staff. They work hand-in-hand, side-by-side, doing a lot here. Um, so we have got two full-time staff. We have several part-time staff that assist. I would love for you to meet them. I'm not going to make you all stand up, but um, Amy Nickel in the third row, if you want to wave, kind of does some admin stuff for us. She communicates with the body. Uh, Christina back there holding her new little man. Um, she uh, runs, oversees our children's ministry and does a phenomenal job. And then I think any others, oh, and then uh, recently Diane Spencer is going to be assisting with some financial admin work. And so that's my mom. She's assisting Rob back there who does a lot of work and doesn't get paid for any of it. Uh, but while we're talking, I'll talk about elders in a minute, but Rob manages our finances. And so um, he's going to get some additional admin help because he is a full-time employee somewhere else carrying a big load. So he's going to get a little bit of assistance with that now. So there's a, there's a sense of some of our, our staff. So our staff exists um, for some day-to-day operation of the church. The staff is not here to do all the work. 
The staff exists to equip the body to do the work. We are the church. One of the benefits to meeting in a school, it feels like a negative a lot of times early on Sunday morning, but one of the benefits is um, we don't have our own building, and so we don't label the building as the church. We are the church. And so we come together to gather. And so people come and do the work of setting this stuff up and tearing it down. And we're participating together to make a place where we can gather. We are the church. And so the staff exists to equip and encourage the body so the body can do the work that the church is called to do. That is our structure. We are the family. We are the fellowship. We are the body. We are the sheep walking together, um, growing and being equipped. So that's our church staff. Um, our church is um, the big picture decisions. The day-to-day decisions are made at a staff level. Um, our big picture decisions and our oversight comes from our elder board. We have five elders on our elder board right now. Um, and the pastors, me and Alex are on the elder board, but we are outnumbered on the elder board on purpose. Um, and so we have, we have an elder board. Our elder board makes decisions unanimously. We all work together to come to common decisions. And so how we're spending our finances, making big picture decisions about the direction of the church, our elder board decides that. Um, I want to make you aware we are connected to a church in the Nashville area. I was on staff there for years. They are the church that helped send us out here. Um, And so they are Grace Chapel in Franklin, Tennessee. The pastor is Pastor Steve Berger. Um, I volunteered at that church for about six years, serving in the youth ministry, doing setup when, back when we met in a school like this. Um, I eventually went on staff as the youth pastor full time. I was the associate pastor the last few years I was there, and they helped send us to plant this church. Um, they provide support. They, supr- they provide encouragement. Um, they are not in charge of us, though. We aren't paying dues back to them or any of that. Um, we're sister churches. We are governed by the local church elders. Um, and so that's, that's a bit of our structure. That might bore you. You may not care about all that, but I want to just be very upfront about who we are and how we're structured and what we do. Um, this isn't a one-man show. I answer to our elder board. I don't, I don't make all the big decisions about where all the money goes and what all we do. Our elders gather together to make those key decisions. And so that's, that's how our church is structured and functioned. It's relation, relational in nature, and we're engaging the whole body of Christ. Is, is this making sense? Do y'all have any questions about that? I feel like I'm having to move pretty quickly this morning just to manage time. But is this, okay, if you ever have questions, let me know. Um, next week, we're going to spend a lot of time on um, what we did last year and what we're doing this year and our finances And so we're going to give you a sense of that stuff, and the elders play a big part in some of those big-picture decisions. Okay, last thing. Um, I'm just going to briefly mention this and wrap things up. But outside of gathering here on Sunday mornings, the only other real structured, consistent thing we do is gather in life groups. That That is on purpose. Our dream is not to get really big and have a million different ministries that fill your calendar all the time. Our dream is for us to live the life God's called us to live in the communities that we live in, to mutually encourage and build one another up as we walk out this life with Jesus, and to live intentional where we are. Live in your neighborhood. Go to your job. 
Be connected where your kid goes to school. Your kids go to school. Build relationships. Reach out. And so we don't want to fill the calendar up so much where we just pull away from life and just gather in our own little bubble all the time and don't make an impact. We need each other. And so we're going to gather intentionally at times on Sundays in each other's homes to strengthen, encourage, to grow, to mature, and, and, and ultimately to encourage us to live the lives God called us to live where he's planted us in our neighborhoods, in our jobs, in our families, in our communities. And so that is our heartbeat. So we emphasize radically life groups. There's only so much relationship you can build coming in here on a Sunday morning. You can be friendly, you can be nice, you can shake somebody's hand. Um, we encourage you outside of this to gather for coffees and meals and spend time together. Go meet people in the church body. But our life group gatherings is a way to really be intentional and grow with each other. And so if you are not in a life group, I would, I would strongly encourage you to consider joining one. Right now, we have groups that meet on Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and Thursday night during the week. We have three different options. Um, we also have a group of UT students that are meeting, I think, on Sunday nights on campus, and they meet together. So there's some stuff happening there, too. Plug into a life group. Um, we've done some teaching about the structure of those and how those look. The bottom line is... Um, we're walking in real relationship with each other that's rooted in Jesus and in his word. And we're growing in those relationships. So I've got, there's a lot of notes I have right here in front of me on life groups. I just want to be respectful of our time. So we're going to start to wrap things up. But I would encourage you, look back through our notes. Um, one of the things we get to fulfill, I want to read this list to you. Um, one of the things we get to fulfill by being an intentional relationship with each other is what's called the one another's of scripture. You don't know if you've ever stopped and, and looked through the Bible for certain words or phrases and just let it wash over you. You know, like look up the word grace and just see how much it just shows up through the scripture and what it says. But one fun thing to do is look up one another and like read that, especially through like the New Testament. And I want to give you a, a sense of this. We're called to serve one another, accept one another, forgive one another, greet one another, Bear one another's burdens. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Submit to one another. Encourage one another. There's, there's nine right there. Man, that sounds like the kind of environment I want to be in. Where I'm loved, I'm encouraged, I'm greeted, I'm a part, I'm accepted, I'm built up. That's what God's called us to. That's what his family looks like. So we are about people. We are about relationship. We would encourage you to plug into a life group. Um, to, to help grow and strengthen those relationships. Um, and that is, yeah, that's our heart. Awesome. All right, I'm going to pray and wrap things up. And then I, I said this last week, I'm going to do it again this week. I'm going to stay up here intentionally for a few minutes. So if you've got questions, uh, if you want to follow up in depth on anything I just shared, please come up, introduce yourself to me. I'd be happy to talk with you. Um, if you are looking to plug into a life group, they just started back up after a break over the holidays. You can, you can find how to do that online, but you also can grab, we've got these little um, like flyers out by the coffee area that say life groups on them. And they've got names and emails that you can reach out to to join a life group. All right? All right, let me pray and we'll dismiss you guys. Lord, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for your love relationship with us. Thank you that you've made us to, to know you and be known by you. 
God, you designed us to be um, in life-giving relationship with each other as well. And Lord, I just pray more and more that this church could fulfill its mission. God, to love you and to love others. That we truly could be about equipping passionate disciples of Jesus Christ. God, help us all to see our place in your family and your body. Help us to follow you as the good shepherd. Um, And Jesus, we thank you that we can fellowship and walk in unity with one another. God, would you continue to grow us personally, grow us as a church in our relationship with you and with one another. Help us to fulfill our mission here in Knoxville. We love you and trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.